The country has allowed morals to become relative, ethics to become something that people believe shouldn't need to be followed depending on how they feel, what their truth is. We've made it so religion is a dirty word amongst many circles, something to just be dismissed and laughed at instead of revered and honored. We made it so discipline is something people feel threatened to have for fear they could go too far and be emotionally damaging or be seen as physically abusive. What has happened to our country? We've lost the notion of what is right and what is wrong in an attempt to care about every single person's feelings. Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. As always, go to www.americaoutloud.com. Bookmark that page as one of your favorites, and you can see articles, podcasts, and radio shows from some very extremely talented people that I work alongside. My colleagues are some of the brightest and smartest in the industry, and you're not going to want to miss what they are saying. You can also check out on all of your favorite apps and podcasts. It's all the content. There's even an American Out Loud app to listen to the talk radio. So a good deal. While you're there, check out all the different sponsors. They help keep the lights on on my show, keeping the network, bringing it to you Monday through Friday. We've got a problem. We've got a problem in this country right now, and it's not going away. It's it's getting worse and worse. In fact, we got a value problem. That, that's the best way I could really state it. And I took a political uh, ideology test a while back to find out where I kind of fell on the spectrum. And the first part was I fell libertarian, which surprised probably none of my listeners when you hear that. But on so many different parts, I I fell in like this moderate zone, Uh, this moderate zone when it came to uh, wanting to provide for other people. When it came to values, I ranked extremely high in values on a conservative side that I was more of a conservative value uh, type of individual. Uh, I valued religious faith. I I valued uh, children and their role as far as family goes and uh, patriotism. Uh, Not so much so of like this uh, romanticized patriotism, but just felt the need to understand the importance of the sacrifice of people that serve this country and the role of what it led to with me being able to bring you this show, protecting our First Amendment rights, protecting the Constitution. Now, a recent survey has really gone out, uh, let's see, just just recently came through by the University of Chicago. It was conducted with NORC, which is a nonpartisan research organization. 
And what they discovered was percent who say their values are very important to them. In 1998, 70% found patriotism was very important. Here in 2023, only 38% of people. In 98, 62% said religion was very important. 39% said in 2023, it was still very important. Having children was at 59% in 1998. Now, 25 years later, it's down to 30%. Community involvement was at 47%. Now it's down to 27% as being very important to them. But guess what is very important that saw a rise? That's right, money. Money is now really important to people. Are we in biblical times? Are we in the times of the golden calf where people are, their values are all out of whack? I believe so. You know, we have this conversation every so often about gun violence. And the conversation, unfortunately, is coming back up because yesterday, uh, a trans uh, ex-student out of a school was 28, killed three kids and three staff members at a Nashville Christian school. Now, this uh, trans female former student had two assault rifles and a handgun and went and killed three nine-year-old kids. And uh, this was after writing a manifesto and drawing maps of the church campus. The shooter was named as Audrey Hale, uh, previously born uh, as, I believe, Aiden Hale. And police said that she identified as transgender uh, and used he, him pronouns. I don't really know a lot more details about the shooter and above this, and it's not really right now about this person being trans in my mind at this point of the conversation, but I'm going to get to that point of the conversation is people always say, we all agree. We don't want to see gun violence at our schools. We don't want any nine-year-old child. I mean, that's basically the age of my son, right? Not far from the age of my daughter. I can't imagine the pain that I would experience getting that phone call. My, my heart absolutely breaks for the people that heard there was a shooting at their kid's school or grandkid's school or friend's school and are now processing this absolutely heinous and horrible news. Uh, makes me emotional to think about stuff like that. And none of us want it. Republicans, Democrats, nobody wants that. But it leaves this question of, well, what can you do about it, right? What can you do? And we see here this person had two assault rifles and a handgun. Could you ban assault rifles? Well, the person brought a handgun. What was used, I don't know quite yet. I, I didn't get that far deep into it. Point being is when people have evil intent, they will find a way to invoke evil intentions upon others. Whether that's taking a 3,000 pound vehicle and going through a large crowd, taking a knife, taking a handgun, there will always be some type of measures when somebody is this sick, this sick that they don't have uh, the way to say, you know what? I'm in pain. I'm hurting. I need to get some type of help. I don't want to hurt somebody else. People that eventually hurt other people, they are mentally unstable, mentally unwell, and possibly mentally in a spot where they can't be fixed. But in order to address this gun violence problem, I believe you've got to go back to the part of the show 
where I'm talking about values, morals, and ethics. First, we have to have an honest conversation. I know I use that phrase probably too much, an honest conversation. All right, let's just go. We need to have a conversation right now about what do we want for our country? Do we want a country where we can go to the mall, we can go into the city, we can go anywhere and feel safe and secure? All right, if the answer is yes, and I believe for everybody, the answer should be yes. You want to be able to travel freely without the fear that you're going to be murdered or shot in an attempted murder or in the fallout of violence nearby. I think everybody believes that. We want to live in a world that doesn't have racism. We want to live in a place where people get along. So what's keeping us from getting to that goal? Is it because the people are allowed to have guns? I don't believe that that is the case. I don't believe that it's because people have assault weapons. I don't believe that it's because people have knives, that people have guns, that we are seeing this type of intent. I believe that this study that came out showing the patriotism, religion, having children, which shows a strong family bond, a lack of importance to being involved in your community, and then greed going up with money is exactly why we're seeing people take to wanting to harm other individuals. We have lost the ability to be connected to family. If people are not seeing having children as of importance, then what's that tell me about the traditional family value? It means the traditional family value is on the decline. People don't respect it to the degree that they respect it in previous years. As a result, then you're less likely to respect somebody else's family. You can just go into the moral relativism teachings on this. If you believe the community involvement was more important in 1998, even more important, by the way, as time went on and now down to just 27%, that means there's less people willing to do something for the community to better it. If that's down to 27%, it means everybody says that's somebody else's job. When it becomes somebody else's job, we live in a selfish world. A selfish world is going to be a violent world. It's going to be a world that does not think twice about taking another human being's life because the community doesn't matter to them. If we look at religion going from 62% down to 39%, then that tells me it's a place where we no longer worry about consequences. If you don't believe in hell, if you don't believe that your actions might affect the overall afterlife for you, if that's what religion had kind of kept in check, if you don't believe in those 10 commandments, then that decline of religion also, coupled with the lack of community involvement, coupled with the fact of the family declining, tells me that people are not going to be as tied and we're going to see more violence. And then we see money and greed going from 31% up to 43%. Why are we infatuated with having cash? Why are we wanting to have all the money? Think about how things got done before taxes. How did we build roads? How did we build this country before taxes? Now, I, I know the, the first answer I'm going to get, we build it on the backs of slavery. That is uh, a honest conversation to a degree, but a very dishonest and disingenuous conversation on the whole. We also built on the backs of people that were multi-millionaires that felt that philanthropy 
was the most important part of their wealth, and they gave back to the community. They helped build the roads, put the money into the buildings where people were going to be going to school. They helped finance to make sure people could go to private schools. The millionaires always gave back to the communities that they made their money in. That doesn't happen anymore. You know why? Well, I was just having this conversation with a friend. I believe it doesn't happen anymore because with taxes, people have this expectation the government is going to do everything for them, even raise their children in a public school, even tell them how patriotic they need to be. The government has become people's new religion. The government is there to make sure that people are prosperous. It's ass backwards in this country because that's not what our government was meant to be. And it goes back to the decline of what is moral. How far should the government go in order to protect you from yourself? We have a case where just last week, Congress met and they discussed TikTok. They talked about whether or not young people and people in the United States need to be protected against TikTok and the data collection that's going on. I got an idea, parents. How about if you know the TikTok is possibly work, something very bad for your child that's tracking them, the, the data is going to the CCP. If children's minds are being warped by this, and we can see it in studies of the brain, and that TikTok is a problem, how about discipline? How about discipline to say, you know what? You can't have TikTok. You know what? You don't need a phone right now at your age. I practice what I preach here. So before anybody says, well, you have kids, how do you handle it? My kids don't have TikTok. My kids don't have the access, the social media, the be on the networks. Do they see it when they're around their friends? Yeah, I can't keep them away from all of that stuff. It's impossible. They go over friends' homes. They see it. They talk about the TikTok videos that they saw. What I can do is make sure that they themselves are not going onto it, that they're not accessing it. And that's called parental discipline exercising your parental rights. But somewhere along the way, we've become afraid of being tough on our children. We've been made to think that if we discipline our child, that we could be seen as verbally abusive or physically abusive. And so we're going to cover that in the second half of the show, get back to the shooting that happened at the school, the manifesto, why it happened and how I believe all of this is completely tied together. Make sure you're going on, checking out the sponsors on America Out Loud. I use Cofix RX. It's a great nasal spray. My family actually uses it. I, I'm unable to, but I can tell you my wife swears by this stuff. It's a nasal spray that's a povidone iodine. It helps protect you for up to eight hours of protection from many cold and flu viruses, including COVID-19. Uh, so it's a great thing if you're out in public and you're going to be out there for a while in an enclosed space, just take one spray in each nostril, and you can take this up to three times in a 24-hour day. Cover your entire entire day. It's a cool product, and they have a code here with America Out Loud. Go onto the website and get a discount for listening to the show. Right back after the break, everybody. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. 
Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's COFIXRX.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at CofixRX.com. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Bold Americans, welcome back. Second half of the show. We're talking about how discipline and values are on the decline. And as a result, we're seeing a destruction of our communities here in America and around the world. Right before the break, I was talking about TikTok, right? And Congress is saying, you know, we got to create this basically a Patriot Act, so to speak, for TikTok. We got to keep Americans safe. All that's going to happen with this Patriot Act of TikTok or whatever it's going to eventually be called is an overthrowing of your digital rights. It's going to help monitor and help say what you are and what you're allowed and what you're not allowed in order to access when it comes to apps and digital media. And that's kind of what's wrong with Congress. Where's the parents in this conversation? Where's the parents that are going, why is my 12 year old dancing provocatively on TikTok for others and being exposed to predators? Why? Is my, you know, 16 year old making uh, videos that are questionable uh, at best and possibly harming themselves later on? You know, why are we not having a conversation with our young people about what happens online when you post these things? What we know now is Chinese intelligence services are using TikTok in order to gather uh, huge extrapolations of data against American citizens. Think about a person that has TikTok on their phone and goes to a, a location that's a military base and walks around. They're now giving the coordinates of where they're walking in that building if it's on their phone. There's a reason why people don't want it on. Well, if 
people understand that TikTok could be bad, and there's plenty of other alternatives that are out there, I think that you'd get a number of people that would go, all right, I'm not going to do that. But then you're also going to have a lot of people that go, well, I don't care. You know, that's not my problem. That's the United States problem. They can figure that out, even though they're they're a United States citizen. Because once again, <laughs> we can see patriotism's down from 70% to 38%, meaning it used to be seven out of every 10 people would have probably been like, oh yeah, we, we can't allow China to do this. And now you maybe have just under four out of 10 people saying that. We no longer have a majority that are thinking in these terms. So that that's kind of a problem. The next part is, if they were to do a moderation enforcement of TikTok, there's tons of First Amendment rights there that are going to be uh, probably often challenged. Congress is not thinking in good terms here. And so in many ways, Congress is the problem, but really it's, it's parents. Parents are a problem for not uh, doing anything to protect their children. And that gets us to why we're seeing this uptick in violence. We're seeing an uptick in violence because the parents themselves are not putting church. They're not putting values, morality, ethics at the forefront. They're not putting those type of things. We may have strong family units in some of these families, but what does a, a young person, what do they feel is necessary in their worldview about taking care of others versus taking care of themselves. We live in a world right now that tells us that it's me first. That's what matters. We got to take care of me. And we see social media is really reinforcing that people doing things for likes, people making sure that, uh, you know, they're feeling that, oh, wow, I am uh, getting affirmation that I matter. That's, that's important. Now, They continued in this poll to ask Democrats, independents, and Republicans, has our society gone too far, not gone far enough, or is it about right? And the first part was accepting people who are transgender. Democrats said that it is only about 15% that the society has not really done much whatsoever to accept people who are transgender. Independents were at 47% and Republicans said, yeah, we're at 75%. We've done a ton. Schools and university taking steps to promote racial and ethnic diversity. Only about 6% uh, of Democrats felt that way versus 55% of Republicans and 36% of independents. Pay attention to these numbers, by the way, because they, they tell a very interesting story and a story that I don't think Democrats are going to like too much. Then they asked society, have they accepted people who are gay, lesbian, or bisexual? This rated 7% Democrats, 52% Republicans felt that yes, people have accepted people who are gay, lesbians, uh, bisexual, 31% of independents. Then the NORC poll asked businesses taking steps to promote racial and ethnic diversity, 7% Democrats, 52% Republicans, 29% of independents. And then finally, promoting equality between men and women. 2% of Democrats felt that our society uh, has not. 15% of moderates, 21% of Republicans stating it's going too far, right? Only 2% state it's going too far of Democrats. Here, here's what we can see by the people that say 
it's gone too far. The Democrats are out to lunch. Seriously, let, let that stick in for just a quick moment on that NARC poll. The fact that the Democrats, what we should see if the ideologies are, are split, we should really see independents and Republicans not near each other in these numbers. We should see them smack dab in the middle. But the Democrats are so far off in the way of their reality and the way that they're seeing the world that the independents and Republicans are showing that the truth is probably somewhere closer to there. So accepting people who are transgender, you know, it's probably closer to 50 to 60% of people feel that we're going too far to accept people who are transgender versus 15%. Now, coupled that with accepting people who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, 52% there, and it's actually kind of a healthy number. The Democrats' number is not healthy. Their view right now, and this is a popular view, I want to point out that the Democrat view is really the talking points that you see on television, that you see in Hollywood, that you see the norm in media. Uh, we, we really are really going down a road of trying to force this down every single person's throats. I don't think that the problem is nearly as bad as people think. Now, I had a student recently, uh, they were working on a story in my class, uh, and it was working on uh, trans youth and yearbooks and whether or not a student should have the right to not have their dead name in a school yearbook. And the school policy is it's a legal document, and therefore the name has to appear the way it appears on a birthing document, or that's what was told originally, what the I, I guess the thought process was behind it. As my students started doing research, there's actually really no laws that prevented all of this. But what was more interesting was the conversation the student had with me stating, Mr. Bolden, are you aware that we are at stage eight of genocide against trans youth and trans people? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> stage eight of genocide for transgender individuals. Um, can you explain to me what that means? Like, and so they weren't really able to articulate it too well. And they, they said, well, I have a screenshot that I can show you. Do you mind if I show you my phone? I said, sure, I'll, I'll look at the screenshot because this just something sounds a little off to me here, what you're sharing. And they showed me a map and it showed basically the entire lower part of the United States colored in red. And they said, these are the people that are working towards the complete genocide of anyone who's trans. And I said, look, I'm going to be completely blunt and honest I don't know enough about this to have an honest conversation right now, but I'm going to start researching it. I'm going to try to talk to people that are more intelligent than me on this topic to find out where this eighth stage of genocide came from. But I got to be honest with you. I'm really sorry that you're this fearful that you're looking at this thinking that these states that you're showing me, there's no one in this state whatsoever that believes you should be alive because that's what the student was sharing that people that live there. They just don't believe. And I'm like, that that's just, there could be pockets that don't accept transgendered people, but no one is going to, I think, call for a mass extermination. Now, if I'm wrong on that, then by all means, let's talk, let's find out how I'm wrong. But this student was telling me that it is a known fact in the trans community that people are trying to make sure that they're all killed. 
And that's why the, the suicide rate and everything else is high because they're trying to force transgendered youth in order to die. And it's part of a genocide. If you're listening to the show and you know something about this, please share with me the statistics. I started researching online and I'm not really able to get where this is, but here's what I think's going on. I think that just as there is a fringe of conservative and liberal media, there's also this fringe of uh, LGBTQ talking points in media. And there's one side that goes extremely far one way, the other way, and then there's the truth somewhere in the middle. I have a feeling the student has found wound up down a rabbit hole of really far crazy talking points. And then that worries me. Like these people that are doing this, that are destroying that fabric of values and having some type of ethics in the way we treat things. You know, are you going to force a student later on to commit suicide because they believe there's no future for them here in the United States? Meanwhile, the rest of the country is going, look, we're, we're doing everything we can to be as accepting as possible. Uh, even though maybe you don't believe that it's somebody can be a woman that was born uh, a male or vice versa. Uh, maybe you might say, well, yeah, I understand that there's transgendered. Like we used to say like, well, that person's a trans woman or that person's a trans male. We didn't take trans out of the word and say, well, that person's now a woman born a man. That person's a man now born a woman. Which leads me to the killing that I talked about in Nashville. Now, the person was a trans person who had a major problem with the Christian school. They were an ex-student. And in their manifesto that they wrote, this is really a hate crime against Christians. It's a hate crime uh, from the fact that this was done on purpose because they felt that this uh, community did not support them. I'm going to probably go out on a limb and say that based upon the things that they drew out, based upon the writings that authorities are talking about, they had drawn maps of the school um, and they had drawn pictures of children. Uh, person was obviously pretty darn sick. Um, but can we call this what it is? It's a hate crime. Just because the trans doesn't mean they didn't commit a hate crime against the religious group. What did the religious group do to this to this student? Did they tell this student that they weren't a person? Did they tell this person that you know they were psychologically insane for believing what they believed? I don't know. I I, I don't know what that story is that caused this type of malice in somebody's heart um, to to do something just absolutely so disgusting. But what I can tell you is this doesn't have to do with the second amendment. It really doesn't. This has to do with somebody who was mentally sick and did something heinous. That's what happened at covenant. And it happened because we are still unable to speak to one another in a loving conversation about these things. You know, we, we look at this and immediately today I saw someone say, well, we should just uh, probably blame the testosterone this person might have been on. Okay, now we're going to blame all violence on testosterone, right? I'm a male. I've never killed anybody. I don't believe in fighting. I'm a pacifist. Uh, I, I will say if you start a fight with me, I'm going to make sure I end the fight. 
Um, I, I believe in being a pacifist up until I'm attacked or my family's attacked. But the point of the matter is my testosterone does not get in the way of me functioning. My testosterone did not get in the way of me being a chivalrous person growing up to treat woman properly. Uh, my testosterone did not, you know, cause me to beat on my children or beat on anybody else, right? That's not who I raised my children as. Despite the fact that when I was growing up, I used to get uh, spanked. I got pepper put on my tongue. I don't call that uh, abuse. I don't look bad and go, oh, I was abused as a child. I looked across the street. I saw when, um, you know, my friend got a belt taken to their back uh, because they were doing something bad. I don't see that as abuse, right? That's not to dismiss the fact that kids are not abused in this society. There are uh, horrible cases of abuse, but we've overcorrected. We've overcorrected in discipline, overcorrected in values, overcorrected in morals, religion, to make everybody feel absolutely safe. We've gotten to the point now where like, if somebody was schizophrenic, uh, this is a sincere question. Would we lie to that person and tell them that schizophrenic people are completely uh, normal people? I don't think so. I think at some point you got to be like, nope, you got crazy voices in your head. There's medicine to help you, but you know, we probably shouldn't allow you near weapons, right? The people with schizophrenia, that's probably not who we want to make sure has access to hunting rifles and things of the sorts. Well, when we look at all mental health things, right? Whether it's uh, people that are anxious, right? I, I deal with anxiety from time to time. Like I'll, I'll be upfront, but that's because I'm a worry ward. I, I think about everything absolutely constantly. And I'm thinking of all the different ways things can go because I'm constantly planning. I'm constantly evaluating. My mind doesn't turn off in that sense. Would somebody say to me that like, you know, well, your brain uh, is, you know, uh, not, doesn't have any anxiety. Your brain is uh, perfectly normally functioning. No, people are going to tell me, hey, meditate, slow down things, breathe, right? It's okay. Uh, and so I've learned my tools of going for walks, riding my bike for long periods of time. I've learned that like, hey, when I distract myself, that my brain kind of slows down and shuts down. But I've also learned like, hey, this podcast is a great way for my brain to process a lot of information, to be able to put that out to people. That's part of it. But I wouldn't want somebody to tell me that that doesn't exist. And so that gets into the whole conversation of what was this person told that killed these individuals? What were they told about their condition? And were they told it with love? Ah, see, there we go. That's the most important part of the conversation. When we have conversations with others that are difficult and courageous conversations, are we approaching those conversations with love or with malice? If it's fear because you don't understand you're approaching these conversations out of malice, well, shame on you. You're hurting other people and we should know better than that. But if you're approaching out of love of like, hey, I really just don't understand. Like, I think that this is kind of like crazy talk, what you're saying. Like, you do realize that I don't understand how you feel. Can you please explain this to me? Then maybe we can start to have a, a kinder society. When we start to restore the importance of community service and lessen the need for making sure that we had greed, then perhaps we look out for one another instead of seeing gun violence mowing down records amount of youth in our cities. If we start thinking about the systemic ways that we've put people in the poverty, 
right? And we don't try to fix it because we're not looking back at society in a way that is uh, honest and wanting to fix things because it might take away from our own comfortable situation. Well, that's a loving conversation. It's a difficult conversation and it will help restore some of that fabric. But right now where we are, we are destroying the fabric of America, destroying the fabric of the world. And I worry for our children. I don't think we're beyond the point of no control. I think that there's still time to, to make adjustments, to fix things. And I don't want to say that this means that we all need to turn to Jesus, but maybe you do need some God in your life. You know, like if you're an atheist, maybe just ask like, what is it about how I'm living? Am I living as a greedy person? Am I living as a selfish person? There's plenty of atheists that I know that are absolutely phenomenal human beings that are actually kinder individuals than some religious people I know. So uh, this is not me uh, crap talking on any atheist whatsoever. You can live your life with a good, awesome moral code and be atheist. But my point is as a value system, I hope that you have one and I hope you have one in places where it matters because that's what's going to prevent the next violence. That's what's going to bring us together as a society. That's what's going to help people understand that politics is not a religion. I hope I honored your time well today, folks. Gave you some things to think about. How were you disciplined growing up? Did you consider it abusive? Did you consider it emotionally abusive? The way that you were yelled at, that you were hit, um, spanked, whatever it may be. I want to hear from you if you're willing to share at Real Greg Bolden, or as always, you can go on my website, www.americaembolden.com. You can leave me a message and let me know what's going on there. As always, the www.americaoutloud.com is where the network page is. You can share this and send it out to anybody you want. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and follow, and uh, I'll be back for more uh, starting tomorrow. We'll have another episode of great content. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Uh-huh.